0: Welcome to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today, we are discussing episodes two and three of the story of Yanxi Palace or Yanxi Gong This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. For these podcast episodes, we first do a drama episode recap and then we'll discuss the culture and history portrayed in the episode. If you are new to the podcast, welcome! Do check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas and also visit us on our website at ChasingDramas.com. If you like what you hear or have any feedback, please leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us to. In episode one, we got our first glimpse back into the palace during the reign of Qianlong Emperor in 1741. And now we are back in the palace and treated to two versions of what's going on. One version is with the concubines of the palace. We follow Gao Guifei or Noble Consort Gao in her palace, her status is second only to the Empress, and she rounded up the existing ladies in the harem. We closed off the last episode with her pretty much interrogating everyone and uh, learning that at least two women were sick. One that we are focused on in this episode is Yu Guiyan. But with Gao Guifei, As the leader right now, each woman is pretty much holding her breath, awaiting Gao Guifei's scolding. But after finally hearing that the emperor isn't going to call any of the ladies to stay the night, Gao Guifei immediately gets up and leaves. A quick refresher on how this works. Each night during the Qing Dynasty, how this worked is that the emperor is given trays and trays of name plaques or or with each woman's name uh, in the palace on it. Whomever he chooses, he will flip the plaque of, and then that will signal he is going to spend the night with that woman. Unfortunately, this night, he did not flip anyone's names, and so the women disperse. Elsewhere, our main character, Wei Ying Luo, shows off that she is not someone that will easily be bullied. That same night, the young women who were accepted to become seamstresses in the palace are sent to the small room where like 10 of them are staying. A couple of the young ladies begin bullying Ying Luo because they were annoyed and jealous that Ying Luo helped this other maid uh, or seamstress Ji Xiang in the last episode and earned praise. One of the maids, I think it's Ling Long, poured tea water on Ying Luo's blankets and dared her to tattle. In any other drama, Yingluo probably would have taken in and just let it go. But nope, in this drama, Yingluo straight up walks out and comes back with a whole bucket of water that she then splashes on the offending maid and also pours water all over their blankets as well. That was quick thinking. I had no idea what she was doing with that bucket of water. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And for once, we see a main character who's willing to push back straight from the get-go. There's no, you know, I'm going to be gentle and meek for the first, like, uh, I don't know, 20 episodes episodes and then uh, turn into this, you know, badass woman. Nope. Ying Loa straight from the get-go is like, I'm going to fight back tooth and nail. I'm not afraid to escalate. So, you know, don't mess with me. Good for her. But why is she in the palace anyways, and with such a huge temper? We do get a flashback scene that reveals she's here to discover the truth about her beloved older sister's death. The Wei family stated that her sister died of suicide, but after inspecting the body, Ying Luo clearly saw marks around her sister's neck that suggested she was asphyxiated. Her sister was a seamstress in the palace as well, and therefore the only way to get to the bottom of why she died is for Yingluo to also enter the palace. That's why she's here. And she's like, that's it. I don't care about anything else. You get in my way, I will get in your way. Yeah, she's like, I'm not here to make friends. (laughs) Very, very refreshing. The next day, the two groups of ladies continue with their respective paths. Gao Guifei randomly wakes up and realizes something must be wrong with Yi Pin last night, who said that Yu Guiren was ill. And so, with the stature worthy of a noble consort, Gao Guifei goes to interrogate Yu Guifei because she doesn't believe that she's actually just ill. Yi Pin, feeling that something isn't right, rushes over to the Empress's palace to beg for help. And indeed, when the group arrives on the scene, Gao Guifei has Yu Guiren pinned on the floor with an imperial doctor trying to force her to drink medicine. At this point, Yi Pin, trying to help her friend Yu Guiren, reveals that Yu Guiren is pregnant. They can't treat her this way. A square off occurs between Gao Guifei and the Empress, plus Yi Pin, who believes that Gao Guifei is trying to harm or poison Yu Guiren and the child. At first glance, that really does seem as though that's what's happening because Gao Fei is, you know, forcing somebody to drink something else. Gao Fei though uses the excuse of looking after Yu sickness to force her to drink medicine, which includes Pi Pa Gao or Loquat Cream that is supposed to help her cough, but Mmm, we think what the audience, or I thought, would make her miscarry. We've seen that way too many times in palace dramas, so I'm like, okay, this is definitely poison. But the Empress brings her own doctor, who inspects the medicine and reveals that the medicine is perfectly fine. So maybe here's where we realize that Golgoy Fei may not be that incapable in the palace. You know, it might be too obvious that Gao Guifei tried to kill a child of the emperor, so loquat cream was like the perfect cover. The point of this scene is to reveal that the empress right now does not have the power or perhaps the capability to combat the likes of Gao Guifei in the palace. We are presented with an aggressive foe in Gao Guifei who now gets to punish Yi Ping however she likes because... You know, quite honestly, she did, uh, Yipin, accuse Gao Guifei of uh, poisoning somebody else. So that's like insubordination and quite a bit of disrespect. So Gao Guifei certainly won this round and Yipin um, did not think through what her tactic would be to face off against Gao Guifei enough. Meanwhile, Wei Yingluo starts to investigate exactly what happened to her sister. Her first stop is to ask Zhang Womo, who manages the seamstresses, whether or not she's heard of Wei Ying Ning. Zhang Womo pauses, but tells Ying Luo that she should not ask such things in the future. Additionally, since Ning is a character that matches the name of Gao Guifei, the maid probably had her name changed since staff cannot have names that match their masters. This is something we've talked about in previous podcast episodes. So um, head back to episodes of Empresses in the Palace and even Story of Minglan to um, listen to the reasoning behind the name changes. Shortly after, Zhang Moma asks Wei Ying Luo and another maid, Ling Long, to come with her on a task. They are here to help measure Yu gui for new clothes because she is newly pregnant. The women head over only to find that Yi Pin is being punished severely outside. Gao Guifei ordered her maid to slap Yipin across the face multiple times as punishment for her insolence earlier. Poor Yipin's face is bloodied and bright red. Yu Guilin rushes out to try and protect her friend, but is held back. All of this is seen by Ying Luo, who is clearly impacted as it reminds her of her relationship that she had with her sister. Pause. News travels so fast. How did this even happen within the span of like, I don't know. An hour. Apparently, Zhang Momo found out about this, and now is like, "Here, this is what happened: A found out that she's pregnant. Yuguien's pregnant, and B that this woman is getting punished. I don't know. News travels really fast." The seamstresses head inside to help measure Yuguien, but Yuguien is still extremely upset by what's going on outside. She wonders how it's possible that the loquat cream or Chinese plum cream that Gao Guifei gave her to eat was not discovered to be poisonous. It has to be. That's when Yinglo steps in to explain that this cream, when used with new leaves, are poisonous, but older leaves are fine for medicinal use. The cream must have used new leaves which would only be poisonous after repeated use and would be difficult to discover in smaller quantities. This riles up Yu Guiren who wants to bring Ying Luo in front of the empress to explain the truth. Zhang Momo though actually steps in and begs Yu Guiren to let Ying Luo go. Zhang Momo knows that if Ying Luo goes with Yu Guiren it might mean death for Ying Luo. Yu Guiren relents and lets the seamstresses return back home while she goes to see the empress herself. But unfortunately is ultimately turned away by the empress's maid. For me, what is interesting is that the aunties or the muo muo in the palace are strict, but also actually protective. This Zhang muo Muo certainly went out of her way to protect Yingluo on her first day in the palace when Zhang muo Muo clearly didn't have to. She did, however, punish Yingluo to kneel in front of everyone once they returned, and for an entire day, Yingluo kneeled on the ground to repent for her mistake. But, hmm... Our main character, Ying Lo, doesn't think she did anything wrong. She does know that Zhang Muomo is trying to help her uh, learn a lesson, but when Zhang Moma came to ask if she understands her mistake, Ying Lo is adamant that what she did in saying those things to uh, Yu Kuan was right. She doesn't see anything wrong with it. Zhang Momo then brings Wei Ying Luo to see exactly what her fate would be in the palace if she continued to talk the way she does. They head back to the palace where Yu Guiyin and Yi Pin live, only to see that Yi Pin has committed suicide. And this is the next day. The humiliation was too much for her, so she decided to end her life. Uh, is that like a record? Um, I think. This is only episode two, and somebody already died. Uh, what was it in Empresses in the Palace? We had like a couple more episodes, right? I think it was three episodes. <laughs> no, no, I think, you know, we're people, actresses are only here for like half a second, so that's why you're just like, ugh, and you know, some faces you don't necessarily need to remember. Okay. <laughs> well, you would think that Wei Yingluo learned a valuable lesson today after seeing Yi Pin's death, and she'll say, okay, I learned my mistake, but nope. In front of Zhang Mama on the way home, Ying Luo openly calls Yi Pin a coward for dying in the face of this humiliation. She says, if it were her, she would stand up for herself, even if it meant death. She would not end her life without fighting back. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the stubborn character we have in this drama. And it's great. Luckily, she's not only stubborn, but does have a quick wit, which she uses to full effect in the next scene and on to episode three. After running off away from Zhang Momo, she is seen throwing small punches on a tree or to a tree, at a tree, to vent off some of her anger. Bad luck would have it that she is overseen by the emperor and his servant themselves. Well... The tree that she hit apparently is an important cypress tree spirit that helped the emperor years before. How dare she hit that tree? But before she can be dragged off for punishment for desecrating the tree by the emperor, which I'm like, okay, this makes sense. The emperor has no idea who this character is, and she did something that was rude to his favorite tree, so of course she would be dragged off and beaten Wu comes up with a hilariously random story that she dreamt the tree was itchy the night before and therefore was here to scratch the tree's back. The head eunuch Li Yi was like, what the hell are you talking about? This is clearly a lie, but Wu just pushed back that if the tree is an important spirit, why couldn't it come to her in a dream? The emperor doesn't pay too much attention and actually lets Yingluo go to literally everyone's surprise. Because, uh, like, what a dumb story. (laughs) Yingluo hurriedly leaves with Zhang Muo because, yeah, she's like, once the emperor realizes that this was all just a joke, he will definitely be angry. We'll see more of that later on in the episode. For now, we follow the emperor to see what he's up to. On this morning... He is actually visiting his mother, the Empress Dowager. Yay, it's Jin Huan. Not really, but whatever. It's the same historical character. And I say, actually, though, when this drama was airing uh, and in the comments, everyone was like, hey, it's Jin Huan. She's oh, no, back. Huan. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's Huang Huan. And there were so, so many expectations of this Empress Dowager. So uh, we'll see how she fares compared to our classic character. It's really funny in later episodes everyone's like uh Jin Huan would not be this dumb or like Jin Huan um is expected to behave this way you know she has to have the same level of intelligence so it's kind of funny to see um how this empress dowager uh definitely compares with Jin Huan we're not lying when we say you know lots of comparisons between this one and empresses in the palace As with all Empress Dowagers, it seems, this one is similarly urging her son to take a look at the women in the palace, and also, she's worried about his health. Tai Ho, or the Empress Dowager, tries to recommend the new Guiren who came to the palace from the court selection process called Shu Guiren by sharing the tea with the emperor that she brought for the Empress Dowager, and we'll talk about this tea later on in the episode. The problem is, the emperor now realizes, uh, as he's drinking the tea, that he was duped by Ying Luo and hurriedly makes an excuse to leave the Empress Dowager. After rushing back to the tree and finding that Ying Luo is nowhere to be found, he orders his head eunuch Li Yu to find her but not before kicking him a few times to vent off his anger for uh, him li yu tattling on the emperor to his mother about his recent food intake i'm gonna say this again this is certainly one of the funniest emperors i've seen in quite some time yeah his relationship with his eunuch is hilarious <laughs> the emperor's like i'm just gonna kick you <laughs> well this emperor Tianlong also isn't oblivious to what's happening in the palace in another hilariously humiliating move. After he went to visit the Empress, and I'm assuming did some of his own research, the Emperor Tenlong sent his servant, or his eunuch, to gift Miss Gao Guifei, or Noble Consort Gao, a 5,000-word sutra text for her to copy. This is his punishment to her for how she's behaved in the last couple of days. And in his words, via the servant that she has too much anger right now. Please write a copy of the sutra to calm that fire. So far, so good for the emperor. He's very much like, I will partake in this, these matters. And what about Yingluo? As she's headed off with the other seamstresses to send clothing, she's dragged off secretly by nearby imperial guard, Qingxi, who used to be her sister's... I wouldn't say love her, but they had kind of like a budding relationship. Lu is super pissed off at this guy because he didn't protect your sister at all, which resulted in her death. And he's all like, if you need any help, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, right. Who needs this kind of guy? The fact that they're talking, though, was seen by Ling Long, one of the seamstresses who immediately went to snitch on Ying Luo with Fang Gu Gu the maid who manages these simptresses. So this Fangu is different from Zhang Mo Mo. Well, the two women arrive angrily to try to catch Ying Lo and the mysterious guard, which is taboo in the palace. But Ying Lo cleverly manages to get her out of the situation and helps Qingxi escape, which I'm like, you were the one who put her in the situation. She does, and in this kerfuffle, learn that her sister's name was changed to Aman, and that she was expelled from the palace for some mistake she made. I'm going to pause here and say, uh, this was so refreshing to hear Yingluo call Qinxi out for saying, yeah, you basically dumped my sister. Why would I come um, ask for your help? And the guard, Qinxi, had the gall to say, oh, but it's on my guilty conscience, so conscience, sorry. So that I will help you. Nope, we don't want him. We don't need you. We'll end off episode three with Li Yu, the emperor's head eunuch, searching high and low for the maid that tricked the emperor, a.k.a. Ying Luo. He has every single maid in the palace repeat the same lines that Ying Luo said to search for her. So the words are which is hilarious because this uh, I am scratching the sacred tree. Yeah, I'm scratching the itch of the sacred tree. Luckily, while Li Yu was investigating the seamstresses, two new concubines in the palace just so happened to also stop by. They were the two new concubines uh, from episode one that remained, at least. And Zhang Mo -mo craftily helped Ying Luo leave with these two concubines so as to escape the investigation by Li Yu. So far, it seems that Ying Luo is safe, even though we do find out that these two new concubines are a little miffed at Ying Luo for what she did to uh, harm their good sister that was dragged off during the court selection process. But as they're walking back to the palaces, all of the maids are squealing in delight because the handsome Fu Cha Fu Heng has walked by or is walking by. We'll see more of him in the next episode. All right, that was the episode recap. Now let's turn our attention to the history for these episodes. We will start off with some references from episode 1 because we couldn't cover everything in the previous episode the first topic is on the paintings that the emperor gifted the concubines the name is 十二共存图, or the 12 teaching portraits Karen what do we think I will uh, give kudos to the producer or the writer Yu Zheng why did you put all of these paintings in here so much additional work for us to research <laughs> But it's good because we are learning a lot too. The Emperor Qianlong did gift 12 women in his harem these paintings, and apparently this was true to history. We will only talk about the paintings that are mentioned in the drama. Each of these paintings honestly can be a whole drama in it by itself, by the stories that they uh, depict. So I'm going to try to keep it short and simple and focus on the three paintings explicitly gifted to the three women in the drama. What's really cool about the Shuargongzhen Tu is we know exactly which painting was gifted to which palace. The first one is the Tai Si Huizi Tu, or Lady Tai Si teaching her sons. Lady Tai Si was wife to the King Wen of Zhou, or in Mandarin Zhou Wen Wang. She is a legendary woman who probably lived between the 11th and 12th century BC. Her sons include King Wu of Zhou or Zhou Wu Wang, the founder of the Zhou dynasty. She was renowned for her beauty, wisdom, and work ethic. She was also an upstanding role model for her simple life and taught her sons to be virtuous men. The Emperor Qianlong in this drama gifted this to the Empress as a reminder of the Empress's duty to her people and to try and have her come out of her, I don't know, like stupor from the death of her son. She's grieving, but I think after two years, three years, two years, a couple of years, the emperor is like, We need you to have you back as the empress. Next is the Xiling Jiao Zhan Tu, or the Xiling Madam Harvesting Silkworms painting, which is the one sent to Noble Consort Gao or Gao Guifei. This is about Lei Zu, also known as the Xiling Madam. She was the legendary wife to Huangdi, or the Yellow Emperor. And this is even earlier than 11th or 12th century BC. This is very much legendary. Well, legend has it, she discovered silkworms uh, when one of a silkworm actually fell into her tea in the morning. She discovered its properties, and I would say the rest is history. She is known as the silkworm mother or the goddess of silkworms. On the surface, I would probably have the same question as Noble Consort Gao. What does the emperor want me to do? Go and grow a bunch of silkworms? Like, what? <laughs> nah, the emperor basically wanted her to go back to more mm, primitive or original times. This is also a knock on her as a reminder to focus on running the palace instead of trying to wreak havoc in the palace. I guess it's more like, can you stop? Just like calm down, focus on something like growing silkworms and like just keep it cool. (laughs) She, Gao Fei, totally just ignores that. As we saw in episode two. The next one is Xu Fei Zhijian Tu. Or the persuasions of consort Xu. This is gifted to consort Xian or Xian Fei or Charmaine's character. So the history or the story of this painting is that consort Xu or Xu Fei was married to Emperor Tang Taizong Li Shimin of the Tang Dynasty. So think um, 7th century. Consort Xu or Xu Fei was very educated and intelligent. While married to the emperor, she often persuaded him not to enter into military campaigns, but to focus on the prosperity of the empire instead the underlying meaning that the emperor Qianlong had for his concubine, concubine Xian was a reminder of loyalty. Honestly, we don't, we don't um, get any discussion of that in the drama. It's just more like it's gifted to her. Uh, But that's basically, if you do some research, what the purpose of this persuasion of concert Xu painting meant. Unfortunately, The only one that survives until today is the one gifted to Zhong Cui Gong or Chun Fei or uh, Concert Chun. We don't see that right now in the drama. It's called Xu Hou Feng An Tu. We'll talk about it um, if it shows up. The rest of the paintings in the drama are just what the production team decided upon as we don't have the originals to compare to. I will say that um, I was doing some research and, for example, the persuasions of Concert Xu... painting in the drama doesn't look like it actually depicts concert su and it seems like another painting instead so a fun little bug uh for the drama Oof. okay enough about paintings next up we have the term huang fa ma in episode three the emperor refers to his grandfather as huang fa ma i have not heard this term before. This drama, Fama, is the Manchu phrase for grandfather. So this usage is correct. We rarely hear this in Qing dynasty dramas, as they often just refer to um, the emperor, the deceased emperor, as his title, or they'll just call the late emperor Ye Ye. Ye, Ye obviously means paternal grandfather, but that is the Han or more. Uh, I don't think it's Mandarin, but the Han phrase. Fama is the correct Manchu phrase here. And in this conversation with his mother, the Empress Dowager, Qianlong, our emperor, talks about Bi Luo Chun tea. The current name, as he states, is Bi Luo Chun, or Green Snail Spring. This tea has a history of more than a thousand years and has been sent to the imperial palaces as tribute since the Tang Dynasty. It is one of the 10 major teas in China, and is a green tea that is harvested primarily in the Dongting Mountains near Taihu or Lake Tai in the southeast region of China. The original name as mentioned in the drama was called Xia Ren Renxiang or Scary Fragrance Tea. Legend has it, a nun was walking around the mountain and plucked a couple of the leaves to make tea. The aroma was so strong that she said the fragrance is so strong that it is scary. Hence the name Scary Fragrance Tea. During the reign of Emperor Kangxi, so think the late 17th, early 18th century, he thoroughly enjoyed the tea but thought that the name was uncivilized and thus gifted the name of Blochuen or Green Snail Spring. Green is for the bright green color, snail for the shape of the leaves, uh, as they curl like a snail, and spring for the season that they are harvested. It is a much prettier name. B is a very popular tea to this day. There are seven grades to rank this tea, and true to its name, it is a very vibrant color and is quite aromatic. I've never had it fresh to drink near uh, Taihu because, well, uh, we've never been. Uh, However, for another type of green tea, Longjing, I did have the pleasure of sitting next to Xihu for a fresh cup of green tea, which is very nice. It is an awesome and relaxing experience. If you have the opportunity to drink tea near Taihu and Xihu, definitely recommend it. If you are able to buy some of this tea, if there's like a Chinatown near you, uh, go check out um, the opportunity to buy Bi Luo Chun. It's very nice. So if you are into tea or just want to try some, Bi Luo Chun is a great starting or great tea to just drink. And when watching this scene in this drama, I was immediately reminded of Huan Zhugege, or Pearl Princess. There was a small plot point in the drama that highlights that Qianlong loved Bi Luo Chun, so this tea has always been in my brain as a great tea to drink because the emperor drank it. Lastly, let's discuss the job of Hu Qian Shiwei, or the Imperial Bodyguards. A wider group of them in English are called Imperial Guards. And the role or job was established during the early years of the Qing dynasty. As mentioned in the drama, only Manchu and Mongolian bannermen were allowed to become imperial guards at the age of 18. Their job was to protect the Forbidden Palace, the emperor, and the emperor's family. There were the guard corps who protected the imperial palace, the vanguard who marched ahead when the emperor left the palace, and the imperial bodyguard who protected the emperor. We will focus on the imperial bodyguards or yu qian shi They were primarily from the upper three banners, which includes xiang huang, zheng huang, and zheng bai qi, or the bordered yellow banner, the plain yellow banner, and the white or the plain white banner. These imperial bodyguards were of course in charge of protecting the emperor. There was an imperial bodyguard office that managed the overall management of guard shifts, guard selection, practices, and promotion of guards. Even amongst the imperial bodyguards, there was a strict hierarchy and a corresponding rank for the level with the top being a first rank officer. These roles, as also mentioned in the drama, were highly coveted because at the highest level, they gave the officer direct access to the emperor. On the flip side, the emperors only picked those he knew were loyal to him because, well, they would become his personal bodyguards. These men were allowed to have swords in the imperial palace, which in any other dynasty was not allowed. They were also paid pretty well. The thinking being, hey, if you're paid well, you won't be bribed to uh, kill the emperor. The imperial bodyguard or yuqian Shui role was quite frankly a good way to give jobs to bannermen. If they all didn't have kind of a role like this, they possibly would have been bored and maybe plotted uprisings. This route offered them a possibility for promotion, wealth, and riches. Note, these men did not have to take the imperial entrance exams to get their role. But by this time, there were martial arts exams that one could partake in from humble beginnings to become an imperial guardsman. I don't know about the imperial bodyguard, but you could become an imperial guardsman. And with the roles of uh, better men taking the jobs of Uh, imperial bodyguards a relatively high percentage of these officers started um, in the palace to you know protect the emperor and then were promoted to other formal court roles others were promoted to official roles in the military um, or you know they swapped between uh, the ministries and the military Fu Cha Fu Hong was one of them now Karen let's talk about this For Chinese dramas, having imperial bodyguards in the Qing dynasty is a common trope, similar to empresses in the palace with doctors. These imperial bodyguards would fall in love with the maid or the concubines in the palace and oftentimes things didn't end well. Yeah, and why imperial bodyguards? Well, if you think about it, (laughs) in the entire palace, there's only one man, a bunch of women, and then the other groups of men are literally bodyguards. And also doctors. So, you know, this is where all of this scandalous stuff happens. So with that, most Qing Dynasty dramas do involve either doctors or these Imperial bodyguards as either a main lead or a quite prominent male character. Yes. Or the star-crossed lover that was not, never meant to be. <laughs> And that is it for today's podcast episode discussion of episode 2 and 3 of the story of Yanxi Palace. As a reminder, this drama is certainly on YouTube with millions of views and it has pretty good English subtitles, so do take a look. If you are in the States and are looking for other places to watch Chinese dramas, do check out our sponsor, Jubao TV, which has a number of Chinese dramas and movies with English subtitles available to watch for free. If you're watching it on your computer, you can stream it through their website called Jumo, X-U-M-O, or else on TV on Cox uh, Contour, Xfinity, or else on Sling TV. Thank you guys again so much for listening and we will catch you in the next episode.